0: This is the Endurance Church podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. So I played that video because I thought it was interesting. Um, I'm really excited about today's sermon, but The video was used to highlight determination. And uh, because I used to play professional sports, um, I had a background in competition. And for a professional athlete, competition is probably the essence of sports, right? You you get on the field and you have to be better than the next person, right? So the challenge with that is we, we don't make a demarcation or we don't highlight the fact that a lot of times competition is the foundation or a part of the foundation of pride, right? And, and you, you go back to that video and if you have different lenses, you'll, you'll say, wait a minute, this is really competence This is pride. Like I'm not going to get beat by you. And, and pride can make you powerful. You can accomplish great things with pride. You can get to the NFL with pride. I'm just trying to tell you. For me, the, my little background is I was a good soccer player, baseball player, track, basketball, and probably even a really good, I said baseball because I, I like baseball, <laughs> but I, I could have probably just as easily gone pro with baseball than football, but football, my dad, um, when I was young said, oh, you know, he, I saw him tell the doctor, oh, no, no, don't, don't clear him to play. Say there's something wrong with them because I was really thin and small. And so I heard that and I thought my dad was saying I wasn't tough enough or strong enough or something like that. I'm a, I'm a young boy, right? So, so from that point in my life, I said, what? I'm going to prove you wrong. And for me, football became like the, 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 the Holy Grail, became an idol. And I was really good at football. I got injured, but still, I, I tried to work harder than anybody else. Because I knew, watching Michael Jordan, that if I worked harder, then I'd perform better. And if I perform better, then I get more people to cheer for me, right? And there's this, like, benefit, right? I'm, I'm just being honest. And so I, I did that for years, and it, it led me to the, to the mountaintop or the apex of my profession. And, and I realized once you got there, it's empty or hollow. Because really, if you live your life Based upon pride, you really don't have much of a life. Because you made all of it about you. It's like you are the superstar of the story of your life. And that's not Christianity. The truth about Christianity is that the star of Christianity, the star of this life, is, is Jesus. Jesus is the star of this entire rodeo. He's the one gonna walk away with the MVP. Have you ever watched the NBA finals? Like At the end, they have the person with the MVP the, and the, the championship trophy they hold themselves up, and it's like, you see their glory. Well, do, do you know at the end of this game, Jesus alone will be the only one holding up the trophy? I remember uh, reading the book of Revelations and talking to my sons, and when Jesus comes back, he's going to have his angels with him. Do you know that? It's like, 10,000 times. There's a numeral amount of people and and humans who have been, in a sense, caught up with Jesus will come back. They'll be coming back in the resurrected body. And my sons and I and my daughters, we have conversations about what that body's going to look like. And I tell them, you're going to be like Superman. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to be like Superman when I come back. And I'm excited about that too. I want to be like Superman. And imagine the last battle... Of all, history is going to take place. You're coming back with Jesus. And I talked to my boys. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be fighting against the devil and the, and, the, and the demons and the bad angels. And they're like, they're telling me all the stuff they're going to do with their axe and their sword. And, but you read it. and you, Do you see what's going to happen? It says, Jesus defeated with what? With one word. So they read it. Like, wait a minute. Where's my role? Where's my part in the story? Like, if Jesus... Defeats everybody with that's not much of a fight. And then their their shoulders droop a little bit. They're like, You tell me I don't have a part to play in the last battle? I won't get any glory in the last fight? Nobody will be looking at me. I'm like, no. In the end it won't it won't be about you. But 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 the truth is it was never about you in the first place. And that's the hardest part for us to realize. We live in a society today that says it's all about you. Have it your way. You get magazines specifically catered toward the target audience of you. You have Netflix. And you you have algorithms that get the movies that you want. You have iTunes. You only have the songs that you want. And then you come to Christ and he tells you it's about me. And you have to learn to be okay with that. Because when it's about you, you're really saying the exact same thing the adversary said in the beginning. We'll jump into the text. We're coming from Ezekiel today. I'll be really quick, but this is to me one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Oh, when you can find Nate, because I'm going to need him really quickly. Do you know where Mr. Nate is, babe? No. All right. I can, if I can control it, you can go find him. Okay, go find him. Unless he's in the bathroom, then you leave him alone. <laughs> All right. Got a quote from a, a man. There he is. There he is. There he is, B. I should be. He's back. Plato says, let parents then bequeath to their children, not riches, but the spirit of reverence, right? And And we talk, we think in our family about legacy, about the responsibility of being parents that we pass on to our children. We, we, we deem that valuable. Like, we deem it so valuable that my wife is a homeschooler. Like, she stays at home and, and raises our kids. And she buys books on character, right? Like, she's like, I'm going to do, do research on character because that's important. And so for us, our hope is even if I can't pass on money and riches and wealth and land to my kids, at least I can pass on my faith. And the one thing you don't want to pass on to your kids is is pride. Ezekiel. You have to understand, Ezekiel was a prophet who was, in a sense, sent off in captivity with the first exiles. That's huge to understand. Because when Ezekiel goes off into exile in the Babylonian captivity, he has these visions from God once he gets into Babylon. And now... Ezekiel, after about seven, when he turns 30, he actually starts having these visions from God. Now, he's a brilliant man, but he has these very weird and peculiar uh, visions that sometimes are hard to understand. And one of the first things Ezekiel sees, he sees these like cherubim, these giant angels with wings and there's wheels under them. And they're carrying this, this, this being on top of it and a throne. And what is symbolizing is that God has left Israel. The Spirit of God is gone. And he's seeing this in this vision. And so, and, and then eventually what happens is after the Spirit of, of God leaves, then Israel falls. And he's trying to reconcile because he's like, wait a minute. What happened? How could the God of all creation be defeated? And he wasn't defeated. It's that God's people didn't honor God. And as a result, God left and left them to their own devices. So they had to have the strength, the wherewithal, and the ability to take care of their own... I'm trying to see somebody walking around. To fight their own fight without God's help. And they couldn't do that. And so they they eventually folded. And now, Ezekiel is about to pronounce judgment. Not only on Israel but also on the land surrounding Israel. Tyre and Sidon. And this is what's interesting because the reason why this is apropos, because no one thought at that time that God had anything to do with the foreign nations. But God is going to judge the foreign nations exactly how he judges Israel. So when Israel and the the southern kingdom specifically is being annexed or being wiped out, what happens is on their way out, what happens is... Oh, on their way out. <laughs> on their way out, what happens is these people have to come to the realization that God is judging them, these nations, because they also cheered and sinned against Israel. Why? Because when Israel was getting destroyed, they said this phrase that we all know and love. What was it, Nate? Hip, hip, hooray! Have you ever heard that phrase, hip, hip, hooray? That is a verbatim the phrase that the nations were saying as Israel was being overcome and overwhelmed. Israel was falling. They're going, hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. Israel has fallen. And now today, we even say that sometimes as a term of celebration, not knowing whence the phraseology came from. Israel has fallen. God's word has come true. Now, these other kings are about to fall as well. And when these kingdoms fall, they will know that the God of heaven is their God as well. But listen to this. This is very interesting why they fell. Here is Ezekiel talking, in verse 6. He says, therefore, in verse 6, thus saith the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of a god do you know why god hates pride so much because basically you're saying i don't need you god it's an overestimation of your value when you think it's all about you it ain't about god when it's all about you it can't be about god now here we have a very clear statement because you set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, therefore, I will bring strangers against you. Now, Nate, I had two pictures. Were you able to pull those up at all? Not at all. Can you at least get one of them up? I'll Take your time. So verse 7 says, behold, therefore, I will bring strangers against you. Now, who is a stranger? Anybody know the term Alexander the Great? Remember, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Philippi, and Philippi came from It was the city from a man named Philip, who was Alexander's father. Now, Alexander, he's a king. He's wiping out everybody. This guy is a soldier. He is the man, right? And this guy is so amazing that he comes to a part. He goes to a a city called Tyre. And this place, Tyre, they were wealthy and they were rich. And they were actually located on on the western part of... Well, say the eastern part of the Mediterranean, but the western part near the Mediterranean Sea. And so they felt like they could not be overcome by anybody. Because when trials or tribulations or an army would come, they would just go out onto an island. Now, the reason why they were safe was because Alexander had an awesome land army, but he had no navy. So they thought, Tyre and the king, we're going to be safe. No one can touch us the most terrible of nations, and they shall draw their swords against you and the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall throw you down into the pit, and you shall die to death of the slain in the midst of the sea. And I'm looking for this picture of Nate. When You you got it already? Oh, buddy. I'm excited. Once you get it, pull it up, please, sir. I'm putting a lot of pressure on him. So you have to understand, Tyre was very wealthy, very rich. Here's Tyre. You actually (laughs) pulled up the wrong one. It's good. And here's Tyre. And what you're going to see once Nate finds the other picture is there's an island out here. And Alexander actually destroys Tyre. And he takes every piece of the city and he throws it out into the sea. And you're thinking, like, that's weird. Get this. And the reason why he threw it out to the sea is because he built a bridge. He took every single rock, every building, and threw and made a causeway from here to there. And Alexander destroyed Tyre that way. Now, this prophecy was done hundreds of years before it happened. Bless you. And this is God humbling this king of Tyre, this rich, great country. Okay, go back to the PowerPoint. Thank you, sir. That was worth it right there. I tried hard to find that picture. The reason why that's important, because they were were self-confident. They thought with their own strength, their own power, they don't have to worry about being attacked or overcome by anybody. But in the end, they were humbled just like everybody else. Because God always humbles the proud. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up lamentations for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection. Now, this is going to have double meaning. Everybody knows, at first off, he's talking about the king of Tyre. But also, do we know who he's also communicating about? The adversary or Satan. A lot of people have misconceptions about God's enemy. His name originally was called what? Lucifer. He was the son of the morning star. He was actually the most attractive angel of all he was more attractive he was more brilliant he was all this perfection and this is why i have a hard time with life because sometimes in life we think hey you know what i have flaws and because of my flaws god is against me but i've come to realize that is the opposite don't you know when you have flaws that's god's grace Some people say, man, I don't look pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not strong enough. But don't you know the temptation if you were strong enough, fast enough, smart enough, rich enough, how you could, just like Satan and the king of Tyre, say the same thing. I should be worshipped. It's all about me. Now, you may not say verbally out of your mouth you should be worshipped, but that's the spirit of pride. That it's all about you. And when you think you've got it going on, you're about to get it going on. Like there's going to be a consequence. God humbles all proud people. So here, you're going to see the scripture of the king of Tyre. But just keep in the back of your mind, this is what happened to Satan when he fell from heaven. Once again, you are the seal of perfection. He's referring to the king of Tyre and to Satan. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. We talked about the precious stones about four weeks ago, right? Heaven, God's city coming down, New Jerusalem. These are the exact same stones. He goes on, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. What he's referencing here is that the cherub were the highest of highest angels. And these angels were, in a sense, the rulers. They were the ones underneath God. And Satan was one of them. And this Satan somehow thought, I want to be worshipped like God. Why? Because he's the most attractive. Why shouldn't he be? He's the smartest, he's the strongest, he's the fastest, he's the sturdiest. Whatever great value you think you could have to be better than somebody else, that's what he was. And in the end, that attitude destroyed him. You were the anointed cherub who covers, I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God, you walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. And because of his perfection, he fell. We live in a culture today that says, you don't like the way you look? Just have a little surgery and you'll look a little bit better. You don't think you're smart enough? Your memory's kind of winding down? Take some pills. You'll be able to recall everything in an instant. Can I go on? I could go on to every single area of your life. And there's something there designed to help you be better. Your heart was lifted up because of your what? Beauty. Just so you know, these aren't my words. This is what the Bible says. You were proud because of your beauty. Because of your looks, you got lifted up. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of what? Your splendor. And I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they may gaze on you. So what's happening here? Satan was caught up in pride because of his own looks. He began to corrupt himself. And God did what? Threw him down. Everyone caught up in pride will be humble. God isn't doing it because He hates you. He does it because He's trying to protect you. Because right now, if someone was a killer, we would say that person is going to go to jail. We know the action is wrong. We can list a litany of actions that are stealing cars. We catch you stealing, you're done. But how do you know when you're lifted up in pride? Like, when do we call that out? Oh, you're proud now. You're feeling yourself. I saw you look in the mirror too long. Like, at what point do we say you're proud? Be careful. Do you see people getting set down in ministry because they're proud? Do you see presidents getting set down because they're proud? Is there any laws against people being proud? No. We encourage that in our country. We encourage pride and greed. And those two, the Bible says, those people shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what do you do? This is just a warning, not only to Israel, but to us today. It says, and there shall no longer be the pricking briar or a painful thorn for the house of Israel from among all who are bound to them, who despise them. They shall know that I am the Lord God. So here, now we skipped all the way down to verse 24. After God has judged all these neighboring countries, God's like, then you'll know I'm God. And then they'll know I'm God. And eventually these places fell. And at that point, people turned to God because of judgment. We live in a day today where I can't say these groups of people were punished. This earthquake is judgment from God because people will annex me. They'll destroy me. You can't say that. You can't say God's judging people. You can't say that tornado is because of God's judgment. We can't say that today, but they were saying that then. There was a cause and effect, clearly. As a result of their pride, God judged them. Verse 25, thus saith the Lord, he's talking to Israel now. When I've gathered the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered, and am hallowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles, then they will dwell in their own land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. This is the last point, I'll jump into the points. Here, this is important. Hollowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles. That, That word means Sanctified. See, so you have to understand from the beginning at the fall, God has taken heat. Meaning we've blamed God. Humanity, we've blamed God for everything that goes wrong. We have people who, who are sick. We, we what? We, we blame God. When things aren't going, we blame God. We always say, God did this. It's God's fault. And in the end, what's, what's happening is we're trying to say God's character it's just as bad as ours. And that was the temptation in the Garden of Eden. When God was in a, conver- when, excuse me, Satan was in a conversation with Eve, he was basically like, did God say? Did God say that, you know, if you eat this, then you surely, God didn't really say that. He- God is holding out on you. We live in a world today, we see ourselves in the mirror getting older. We see our friends and families going on on the other side and we're like, man, this is horrible. But God let us know this was going to happen. Why? So that we would quickly turn to him before time is out. It's not about us and it's never been about us. And if you think it's about you, then it can't be about God. Here, God said, when I'm hallowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles, that word means basically sanctified. And, and a lot of people, sanctify means separated. But it's like, he has to sanctify his name. See, God's name is under attack. And what he has been doing is vindicating his name. So when, so when something happens, we don't immediately say, God, that's your fault. Because God is faultless. He's innocent. He hasn't done anything wrong. And so when things go wrong... Sometimes we have this automatic inclination to say, God, this is your fault. You did this, God. I'm not going to forgive you. But not realizing you have an enemy. The accuser. And we are fallen ourselves. And there are consequences for all that. Now, God hasn't given up on us. He hasn't said, I'm casting you down. But he'll humble you so that he can lift you up for his purpose. But if you're unwilling to be humble... You're not useful to him. Because God's in the business of saving souls for eternity. It's not a game. In college, if you don't... Well, in high school, if you don't pass your ACT, SCT, all those different tests, the T's, then what happens? You don't get into college. There is clear consequences. If you are in pride, there are clear consequences. Because in the end, when you, say, become the governor, and you did it out of pride... People take on your same disposition. They try to do it the same way. And in the end, they haven't given God glory. You haven't given God glory. You've made it about you and not about God. Last scripture. And they will dwell safely there. Build houses, plant vineyards. Yes, they will dwell securely when I execute judgments and all those around them who despise them. They, then they shall know that I am their God. What's being communicated here? At the end, when all this is done, the people who remain, those who are faithful and those who are humble, will know that He is God. It just takes faithfulness. It takes humility. It takes resolve. Point one, humility is a primary attribute of those who have decided to worship God in the spirit and in truth. Humility. Humility comes from the word dirt. Dirt. And I remember when I discovered this, I was in the NFL at a Bible study. And I saw the word humble. I looked it up in the original name. I said, dirt. And I said, oh, my gosh. We are to be dirt. And then I remember talking to Chris Carter. And and he responded to me saying, no, that's not what it's saying. It's not saying you're dirt. And I'm like, but that's what it says right there. And I left it alone. Because to acknowledge your dirt is to say what? You're less than what you think you are. That's what humility is. Pride is thinking you're more important than what you really are. Have you seen the destruction in our relationships because of pride? How many marriages have ended because of pride? Because of pride. Who's going to be the first person to say they're sorry? ain't going to be the proud person. (laughs) Eh. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Have you seen relationship destroyed? Who's gonna be the first person to say, okay, I need to, we need to fix this. We need to go to counseling. I ain't going to counseling. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Ain't nobody gonna look at my head. Like who's gonna be the person to humble themselves to make this relationship work? Humility. Humility is how you distinguish yourself from the world. The world is based on pride. Man, that person is driven. That woman is driven. Like great motivation, they're going to be successful. Jesus said, what is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Because some people they don't realize sin is a product of pride. I, don't, I haven't found one sin yet that isn't steeped in pride. The person who thinks, I don't have to do what God says. Or you start justifying it, right? You start justifying sins. Well, things ain't necessarily going the way I want. So I'm going to do it my way and and, and I'll be okay because God understands. I've heard people even say, God wants them to sin because they're not happy. Because it's all about you being happy. It's pride. I haven't found one sin yet that is not steeped in pride. Well, shoot, I could do that. Remember Moses when his sister and his brother were saying, Shoot, is Moses the only person I can hear from God? Humble yourself for Christ's sake. I remember my humbling process. It was a long process of being humble. I fell hard because I realized over time it wasn't about me. I thought, man, I made it to the NFL. This is awesome. That didn't last long. I remember I, I was in a modeling career. I remember I was modeling up me. I'll tell my story really quickly. I was modeling, and I remember I was we were on the beach, and I like didn't have my shirt on. I had like shorts on, and I was And then Wyclef John was like the MC of this event, right? So I'm like Fuji, and at the time, like the Fuji, you may not know the Fuji, but anyway, woo. woo. Oh, okay, okay. So anyway, we were going out there, and I'm modeling. I'm thinking this is the greatest thing ever. I'm going to be so famous. It's about me. And then the guy who came before me, this guy I didn't know was acrobatic. And this guy came out there doing flips and cartwheels back doing he did a flip in the air and spun and landed in the split and come up and pointed to me. And then walked off. And this is all I got. And I was like, everybody was like, boo. And Wyclef John was like, Come on, Anthony, give me some, give me some, Anthony. He's was, like, Oh, Anthony's whack. And I was like, No, done. And my modeling career came to an end. I thought I was a man. I remember somebody said, Oh, you should be in the movie. I was in the movie. I was like one of the four main characters. I'm just, this is real. This is not real. This is real. In the movie. Now, i am never taken the name of that movie. Don't ever watch it. I was one of the four main characters. I'm like, yeah. I got a like, leading role in this movie. I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm practicing, right? I'm practicing my line. My one line. I, I got the script. I had one line. I go to the set one day. I do my one line on one day, and I'm done. I showed the movie to my parents. They were so embarrassed and ashamed for me. They're into my acting career. It wasn't about me. God in my life has always given me limits. Because he loves me, y'all. Don't think that you're, because you're not the best, that you're not eternally valuable to God. I think in the end, we're going to be tricked and deceived. Those people who are the most attractive actually will be the ones who are least effective. I don't think good looks are just a blessing. I don't think so. Why do we need to humble ourselves? So that he can use us to influence people to turn to the one true God. If I want to have wisdom, I want somebody who's been through the struggle and still loves Jesus. If I want to know somebody or who knows Jesus, or I want to know somebody who knows about God. I want to see somebody who's been through the fire and suffered and still loves Jesus. That's why when, when you all show up church, I'm always excited. I never, like every Sunday, like, i don't know who's going to be there, but I'm going to show up anyway. And today, like Jared's wearing a t-shirt because the baby threw up on my shirt and the music. Was, like, like, this is a day, like, I'm thankful that you should, because it's not about being beautiful here because we ain't got that. We don't have a pretty building. I wish we did. But in the end, it ain't, a, it ain't about that. Because people, when they come to you and say, why do you go to that church? You say, because I love Jesus. And let me tell you what, it's not because of the building or that pastor. Because he sure don't have a I don't want do to be like him at all. I want to. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to be an actor, an actress. I'm not saying all that. You may be the greatest actor act of all time. I'm just saying for me, that's not what I was called to be. So I humble myself so God can use me when I own myself, he has lifted me up for his glory. Pride and humility never move in the same direction. Pride is eternally going one direction and humility is eternally going in another direction. And the two will never meet. And so if you see someone who's a proud, if you're in a church that the pastor's proud, <laughs> understand that <laughs> that's not the direction you want to go in. Because that's not Jesus's direction. He's not, Jesus was humble. He was perfect. He was God. He is God and He is perfect. And He came down on earth and was still perfect and still God. But the Bible says He was what? Ugly. The Bible says Jesus was ugly. You think I'm lying? You go to Isaiah. The Bible says He was unbecomely. There's nothing about Him that we liked. And why is that so? There is a spiritual truth there. God doesn't want us to be attracted to Him for what's on the outside. It's about your heart. Pride is all about your heart. And if it's all about you, there's some work that needs to be done. There's work that needs to be done. Remember, Humility is the key to the treasure chest of your eternal future. If I look for someone who's mature in Christ, I look for humility. And if I don't see humility in my brain, I'm like, okay, they still need to grow. I don't care how much you know, how much you've accomplished. That's my demarcation line. Are you humble? Do you have a proper estimation of who you are? That's not our culture, you all. That's foreign, that's alien, but it's right. Humble yourself so God can lift you up. I pray you learned something today. I pray that this actually makes a difference. I pray you can apply this to your life. The safest place to be is to be humble in God's hands. Let me pray for you. can you bow our heads. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that we don't have to be perfect. You are. I thank you, Lord God, we have the freedom to acknowledge our flaws. Thank you that the pressure is off of us, Lord God, for being so, so perfect because we can't ever achieve that. But Lord, we look to you, the one who was and is perfect. It always will be. And we depend upon your grace today. Is there anyone here today that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And you know you need Him. You know you need help. Well, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I ask you to raise your head really quickly, raise your hand and put it down and we'll pray for you. Is there one you need Jesus today as your Lord and Savior? Is there anyone here today that you walked away from the Lord and you want to come back to Him? You know you're straying and you know you want to get back home if you're here today while well, every head is bowed every closed I see the hand and we bow our heads and we'll pray Father God thank you for this awesome opportunity Lord God I pray Father God that you bring all of us back to you I ask you Father God to, to restore and refresh those that did raise their hands draw them closer to you help their hearts Lord God stay focused help their minds Lord God stay diligent and help them, Lord God, put you first above all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.